0: with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Friends near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe, live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your self-identification with your own form of ministry, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. While we have breath, we shall remember and affirm the great goodness of the great hymn of Charles Wesley, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, and truth and love let all men see. In those who up to thee we give, thine holy thine, to die and live. This is the day that the Lord has made, we shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Most loving Father, whose will it is for us to give thanks for all things, to fear nothing but the loss of you, and to cast all our care on you who care for us, preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal and which you have manifested to us, in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, amen. Please be seated. We now prepare together to pray. In this month of February, 2011, we have lived as those who are in the world, but not of the world. We have tried to listen for the question of the day, and we have tried to speak the gospel of the Lord. So February 6th, the gospel of salt and light announced just after Groundhog Day. So February 13th, the song of Solomon sung for Valentine's Day. So February 20th, the Sermon on the Mount spoken near President's Day. And so today, the good news of the fig tree in winter for winter. There are at least two lectionaries, students take note, one of scripture and one of life, and we long to correlate one with the other. The gospel happens when one ignites the other. The deepest place for such existential, spiritual connection of life and goodness is this place, right here, right now, especially where we recognize our humanity in the embrace of divinity. What other prayer than one of confession would ever do come Sunday? Let us pray. love is lavish, uncritical, personal, and unearned. Pardon and deliver us, we pray, for we give over to thee our hearts, souls, our minds, and our strength. Amen. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
1: A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 8 through 16. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor I have answered you. On a day of salvation I have helped you. I have kept you and given you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the ways, on all the bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them down, for he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will turn all my mountains into a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Lo, these shall come from far away, and lo, those from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people, and will have compassion on his suffering ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 131 with the Antiphon. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri
1: and the reading of our Gospel.
3: Of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, For three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig round it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
0: Friend told me a story one winter. It is not a Groundhog Day story, nor a Valentine's Day story, nor a President's Day story, but simply a winter story. He has friends who live on a farm in Michigan. This is a multi-generational family farm. If you were to visit this week, you would find three generations working together. The grandfather died a few years ago. But his sons and his grandsons and his great-grandsons still plow and harvest, milk, and feed. The matriarch of the family is now older and weaker. She was a typical farm wife of her generation, working alongside her children and husband. When plowing time came in the spring, she would fix lunches for all hands and deliver them into the fields. She delivered the meal and while they ate, she would take over and plow for them. The same kinds of routines held for other seasons, the rhythm of seed and harvest, birth and decay, set the beat for her life. Now she is alone much of the time in the old farmhouse. Her kids feed her breakfast in the morning and dinner at night. But every day after breakfast, they settle her into a comfortable easy chair that rocks in front of an open bay window, from which she can look out onto the fields and forests and pastures of her home. Every day she watches breakfast to dinner. Now this is not an active scene. The barn and equipment are not in view. Most winter days there are no people to observe. A car on the road every half hour is a lot of traffic. And snow lying on corn stubble looks about as exciting today as it did 100 years ago. Yes, she watches and she looks. She seems to be deeply contented as the late winter snow falls. She is eased and settled and comforted, looking out on a frosty field. There is something in that utterly ordinary scene that seizes her. She has, I think, a sense of presence. Maybe she is weak and maybe she even has some mild dementia and maybe she dozes every now and then, rocking in front of that window. But this ordinary winter story captivates because I think she is enthralled by something not quite visible to the naked eye yet utterly present. There is something there, something alive, something at work just beyond our comprehension. She rocks and stays alert to presence. She has a hard-won trust in presence, a kind of trust for which life is meant and for which with all our hearts we do passionately long and hunger. The gospel lesson for today tells of another view, not a pasture view, but a vineyard view, not from Michigan, but from Palestine, not of wheat, but of grapes, not in winter, but in harvest. This is one of the parables of the fig tree. Ah, the fig tree. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. You know what it means to be a fig tree in the New Testament. It's like being a turkey in America in November, or like being a green beer on St. Patrick's Day. You are going down. (laughs) People step aside when they hear that story is about a fig tree. They step back ten feet because they know that it is coming down. Sure enough, at least at the outset in our gospel, doom descends. In stomps the owner. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Fee-fi-fo-fum. Yes, we know what is coming. I have seen this. Lousy, lazy, no-good, flea-bitten, moth-eaten, barren, fruitless, faithless, heartless, ruthless fig tree for three years and nothing. Where is the fruit? Show me the money. Where is the beef? Yes, we have a sinking feeling about the dear old fig tree, having heard a sermon or three. Is there not fruit? Ah, and here it comes. Cut it down, throw it into the fire, off with their heads. And in the other Gospels, that is that. One dead fig tree and let it be a warning to us. I came not to bring peace but a sword. Not a jot or a tittle will pass away. Woe to you! Which is, of course, what makes today's lesson so interesting. Guess what? It's not over. It's not over till it's over. It's not over, at least according to Jesus in Luke 13. Not yet. This is the gospel according to Yogi Berra, who I read is in attendance at spring training this week. It ain't over till it's over. And with a little cunning and creativity, a little psalmist and saint in him, this lowly vine dresser says, Well, well, hang on a minute. Just you wait. There's something here. He sees something, sort of, something alive something at work, something just beyond our comprehension. Meanwhile, down on that Michigan farm, it is this same trust that keeps the woman at the farmhouse window, keeps her there and alive and attentive. Her spirit is invoked today in the reading from Isaiah. Her spirit is invoked today in the psalm we shared together. Picture her this week if you need and want reassurance. She has seen life from both sides, hail and blizzard, silo accident and depression, birth and death, happiness in youth, tragedy in age. She has seen her husband grow up and grow old and die, as most wives do. She has cleaned out the barn, stretched a budget to fit over many children, and kept the Sabbath in the process. And now, she just watches. Today, today there is a light snow falling to dust the corn stubble and the wind is strong. I mean this, whether or not she knows about heaven, she certainly knows about hell. She knows about regret and anxiety. Jean Paul Sartre said that hell is other people, a continental dyspepsia that I have never fully understood. Two shorter, better definitions of hell are regret and anxiety. And our rocking farm wife has known them, too. How could she not? Regret when the son leaves the farm for dental school. Anxiety over the crop planted but not fully harvested. Regret at trips to Florida never taken when Grandpa was well. Anxiety over aging and care and dependence. Regret over misdeeds in youth and mistakes in speech. Anxiety about all that is yet to be on earth as it is in heaven. Regret is hell in the past tense. Anxiety is hell in the future tense. Nevertheless, that is a sermon in one word. Nevertheless, she rocks and watches and is comforted by what she sees. To you and me, what she sees is Andrew Wyeth on a bad day, but she sees something else, something there, something alive, something at work, just below the edge of our comprehension. Maybe it helps the vision to have a mild dementia. What heals regret and what tempers anxiety is what we are given in faith, in trust. Meanwhile, back in Palestine, trust is what the vine dresser in our parable displays. He has a certain confidence, perhaps a confidence born in obedience to a great and loving Lord, yet still a confidence that where there is a well will, there is a way no matter what the immediate corn stubble evidence suggests. I struggle to intuit why this altered fig tree parable was so important for Luke and Luke's struggling church. It must have had singular meaning for Luke's church 70 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Perhaps, perhaps the parable is meant to give trusting patience to those who are waiting out what scholars call the delay of the parousia, or the expected but not actualized return of Christ on the clouds of heaven, as in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. Give me just a little more time, sings the gardener. Let it be, he says. Let it be. His is not a naive view. No, he recognizes that there comes a time when it is too late in every venture. He recognizes that the power to kill and give life is not his own. He recognizes that human labor and human investment are required for any progress. He recognizes the messiness of manure and the dailiness of water. He recognizes that trust for the future is trust not in human wisdom, but in divine grace. He recognizes the rigid limits of nature and history. He is a realist, but he trusts that there is something there, something alive, something not quite phenomenal, something just beyond our poor power to add or detract beyond our comprehension. I could compare his sense, his trust, to today, to a late February or early or mid-March day when it is still winter. It's still winter, yet there is a sense, a feeling. Soon the geese will be flying past, V by V. There is a bluish tint in the evergreens. There is more light and better light and later light. There is wind, but not with quite the bite. A light snow, maybe like this morning, but one can fairly taste the maple syrup brewing a mile away. Spring is coming. Give me just a little more time, he asks. Don't you have the feeling that he will ask the same next year if he has to? I do. He he harbors an inexplicable but crucial sense, a trust that somehow that we cannot see, things are going to work out. As a Methodist Christian, I want that trust in my heart as I see so many conflicts abroad, like the conflict perennial between left and right. Some of us talk from the left and yet live from the right. Others talk from the right and yet live from the left. We talk a good social liberal game, but support all manner of segregation and injustice in where we live, how we live, as we live. We talk a good moral conservative game, but support all manner of waywardness when our own rights are at stake. Yet if I read the Bible right, particularly the prophet Amos, social justice and personal morality go together, and where you lack one over time, you lack the other over time. It looks like snow on cornstalks, an ugly sameness. And I want to shout. Give me just a little more time. Just one more generation. Just some manure and water. Just a few, a few more good preachers and a few, a few more dollars and you just watch the figs fall. Too many to count. I want that trust. That there is something there, alive, incomprehensible, that may just change the equation. I want that trust that there is something alive, incomprehensible, that may open up a different conversation, a new way that honestly respects both the plumb line of justice and the plumb line of righteousness, as well as all the historical, organizational, relational, and other peculiarities of life. And right now, As a minister, I want to be able to offer a sense of trust to you right now. Realistically, yes, but personally and truly, in place of all of your heartfelt regret, perhaps carried like a millstone for months or years, in place of your frightful and human anxiety, carried like a millstone for months or years, the anxiety of youth and the regret of age. May they be gone. I want for us that trust that there is something close to your heart, alive, maybe not quite comprehensible, that whispers morning, evening, Let it be. Give it another year. Maybe a little manure. Maybe a little water. Let it be. And as a person, a human being, stuck somewhere between regret and anxiety, I want that trust, that simple trust, like those who heard beside the Syrian sea the gracious calling of the Lord. Let us, like them, Without a word, rise up and follow him. Meanwhile, down on the farm, think about her this week, Monday and Thursday, alone and content, looking out onto a gray pasture. What keeps her going? What helps her see? What makes her happy? What brings her comfort? What gives her peace? Is it that trust, that faith working through love, that that human response to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, that loving trust that, as 1 Corinthians has it, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That same early follower of Jesus wrote elsewhere, one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It was an Irishman, Patrick, a killer of snakes and a lover of souls, who pronounced the same blessing in his breastplate, Christ before me, Christ beneath me. Listen to that medieval convent maiden's prayer, Julian of Norwich. All will be well, and all will be well, and all will be well. There is something, there is someone there, alive and untamed, creating giving, trust, faith, trust, faith, trust, faith for those who receive the gift in the heart. Paul Lehman taught us, God is at work in the world to make and keep human life human. Ralph Harper reminded us, presence suggests an alternate way of thinking about time and space. In a very early pastoral visit, I've heard a homebound octogenarian, eyes gleaming, affirm, I know whom I can trust. And David sang in the Psalms, in the teeth of Absalom's death, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And so in just a few minutes together, In fine four-part harmony, we shall stand and sing this morning. The soul that on Jesus still leans for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake.
2: As we are called to prayer through the singing of Lead Me, Lord, we invite you to pray in the manner that would best support the prayers of this congregation. Stand or kneel at the altar rail. Stand or raise your hands in your place. Respond in your first language, however you are so moved by the spirit. The Iona community in Scotland helps us to shape our prayers this morning. And we give thanks to our brothers and sisters at Iona, for their gifts of hospitality and liturgy in their service with and to the poor. I will set the intention and then say in your grace, if you would respond, hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, let us pray together. Community. We who are created in your image are glad and grateful for your presence with us as source of all life and Christ and spirit, for your encouragement by your gifts and fruits in our lives, for your empowerment to grow in love and to choose the good. In your grace of invitation and inclusion, we lift up in prayer, someone who we have met or remembered today and for whom we want to pray. In your grace, hear our prayer. Someone who faces a particular challenge of body, mind, spirit, In your grace, hear our prayer. A troubled situation in our world today. In your grace, hear our prayer. All who travel and all who must be away from their families. In your grace, hear our prayer. A threatened part of creation. In your grace, hear our prayer. Silently, we lift up someone who we find it hard to forgive or to trust. In your grace, hear our prayer. The joys and celebrations of our human life. In your grace, hear our prayer. We lift up ourselves that we might grow in generosity of spirit, clarity of mind, and warmth of affection. In your grace, hear our prayer. And now we continue our prayers as our Lord Christ has taught us, as we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come,
1: peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you here to the nave of Marsh Chapel this Sunday. We are glad you're here and would encourage you to take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew and to pass the pads along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the week. We would note that two Wednesdays from now is indeed Ash Wednesday, and we would hope you could join us for one of the services during the many services during the day that day, but especially our interdenominational service at 6 p.m. on Ash Wednesday evening. We would note that on the chapel website is a full listing of all of our services and activities, as, long, as well as the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Gracious God, we give you thanks in the changes of the seasons for your constancy. Pray you will bring these blessings to rich fruition in the same way you bring the fig trees in the right time and the right season. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.